Last week, all right, last week we talked about forgiveness. Man, forgiveness is a hard thing to talk about. And uh, we talked about one of the things Jesus never said is he never said, oh, you don't need to forgive them. I know they hurt you. You don't need to forgive them. Actually, Jesus said we are to forgive like Jesus forgives us. And Jesus forgives us freely. And so we need to forgive other people freely. And so tonight we're going to talk about something that we all struggle with. And that's happiness. And one of the things Jesus never said is Jesus never said, I just want you to be happy. Okay? We, our friends say that. You know, social media says that to us. TV shows, it says that to us. But Jesus, he never said, I just want you to be happy. Now, I know some of you are thinking, I know. That's why I've never followed Jesus, because it's miserable. Well, hey, I'm about to turn your world upside down, all right? So it's going to be a fun, fun night. So we're going to look at a story tonight about a woman who was in an extremely vulnerable situation, a situation that I hope no one in here has ever been in, but a situation that left Jesus, these people were trying to trap Jesus and get Jesus to say something he didn't need to say, and they were going to trap him, use it against him. But Jesus does something that kind of turns the whole situation on its head. We're going to look at it. So if you have your phones, you can turn them on. I know a lot of people use it on their phones. So turn on your phone. Use, use the Bible app. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We would love to get you a Bible free of charge. We don't want anything from you at all, but that's what we want to give to you. If you have a phone, you can search the YouVersion Bible app, and uh, that's where all this stuff's found. It's completely free, and it has like a bajillion translations and all that stuff in there, just FYI. So uh, if you have a paper Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 8. If you're on your phone, we're in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, it's going to be great. And uh, starting in verse 2, it says this, at dawn, super early in the morning, um, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. That's how it was. Every time Jesus rolled into a place and started teaching, these people would come and they'd be like, I got to see this man. I keep hearing about him. He, se he seems super nice and he does miracles. He's, he, I've seen him take a blind person and make them see again. I mean, I can't believe it. People love being around Jesus. So there's, and when Jesus spoke, by the way, the room was packed. You couldn't get in. So there's a ton of people here around Jesus. It says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in the act of adultery. All right, so here's what I want you to understand. These religious leaders and the Pharisees, they're the worst, okay? Imagine the people, uh, like grammar Nazis. You ever heard of those people that like correct your grammar on Facebook? They're worse than these people, okay? The religious people are terrible. Uh, they, they were the, the perfect, perfect people. They were the ones that had the, the wooden stick that if you messed up, they'd smack you on the hand. Like, come on, you're not supposed to say that word. You know, but I stubbed my toe. I don't care. You're not supposed to say that word. You know, they, they did not, they, they made sure everyone was following the rules and they made sure that it looked like they were following the rules at all times. So they were the religious leaders. They were super respected. And so they find this woman caught in the act of adultery and they drag, the, drag her to Jesus in front of all these people. Now, if you're caught in the act of adultery, there's a good chance that you are naked. You know what I'm saying? They ripped this woman out of bed no one knows where the man is, all right? It takes two to tango last time I checked. You know, they, they rip her out of the bed. They bring her in front of Jesus. She's probably naked. And now let me ask you this question. If they were able to catch her in the act of adultery and then bring her to Jesus, where were they when all this first started? Think about it. Where were they? Come on. They had to be there. So these people are nasty people. They're crooked people. 
All right? And so they're, they're supposed to have this appearance of looking perfect and looking perfect, but all of a sudden, they're in a spot where they shouldn't be, and they find this woman, and they go, we're going to try to trick Jesus. The, the story goes on to say this. They made her stand before the entire group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman, she was caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? So they're trying to trap Jesus because Jesus is supposed to be this all-loving guy. He's supposed to be the one that's like, hey, love is, love is the answer, right? Like, I'm gonna do these things. But Jesus was also supposed to be God's son. So if he was truly God's son, surely Jesus knew the law of Moses, right? Like, surely Jesus knew this law. So they were trying to trap him because if he said, okay, let's stone her, then he loses his reputation, right? But if he says, no, let her go, then he's ignoring the law. He's ignoring all the rules, and these people can stand that. And it says they were using this question as a trap in order to have basis for accusing him. And so Jesus, he's so smart. Listen, you can't outsmart Jesus. Let me just tell you right now, if you think you're sly enough to fool him, you can't. All right, he's, he's always a step ahead. And it says this, Jesus does something. He doesn't respond with words. He doesn't say, y'all, you know, you're doing, he doesn't accuse anybody else. He does something different. He does this. But Jesus, he bent down and he started to write on the ground with his finger. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm in this crowd, I'd be like, what is he doing? You know, like, shouldn't he say something right now? Like, uh, hello, or like, get a blanket to cover this woman? Like, like he's going to sit down and write on the ground with his finger. Now, this is actually a really debated topic among people, uh, religious people and theologians and all these things. And the big question is, what in the world did Jesus write in the ground? That has to be significant, right? Like, that has to... Uh, play into this story. Now, I'm gonna get nerdy. If you're not into the Bible, stick with me. I'm gonna try to make this really simple for you. But the Bible was not written in English, okay? Uh, it was written in Greek and Hebrew. So if you go back to the original language that the Bible's written, uh, there's a word called graphen. Y'all say graphen. Come on, say graphen. I'm teaching y'all some Greek right now. Y'all about to be smart when you leave here. Graphen, that's where we get the word graffiti, Right? Yeah, see, there you go. You learn something new when you come to church. So we get the word graffiti. It means to write. It means to write, right? It means to document, to write. Um, but the word that, that is used in this verse, it's kata graphing. Y'all say kata. Kata means against. And so a lot of people, what they believe that Jesus was doing is he was actually writing things down that would make these people, these religious people, look bad. Okay, a lot of people believe that Jesus wrote down and he started writing the sins of these religious people, which if you remember, they were supposed to look perfect. They never did anything wrong in the people's eyes. Well, all of a sudden, Jesus knows everything. He, he starts bending down and he's looking at one of them going, see that? I saw it yesterday, buddy. Uh, you stubbed your toe and you used my name in vain. I heard it, man. I'm, like, I'm, I'm God. And uh, he's sitting here, he's writing stuff down. I believe that's what he was doing. He was writing down, if you look at the text, he's writing down the sins of the people that were accusing this woman. And he was basically taking the, their legs out from under him. What they stood on was, man, we are the perfect ones. Like, we are the ones that don't do anything wrong. You'll have to do what we say. And Jesus is going, yeah, right. Boom, 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 boom. And showing him. It goes on to say this. When they kept on questioning him, Jesus, he straightened up and he said to them, now let any one of you who is without sin be the first one to stone him. 
And so you have to understand that what the, the, the original language that the Bible was written in, it wasn't necessarily words like we know them. These words were used to kind of paint a picture. That's how you have to think of the original language. And the picture that Jesus is painting here, the original meaning of that, without sin part, is not only without sin, a person that's never done anything wrong. Hey, if you've never done anything wrong, you, you throw the first stone. But he took it a step further. That word actually not only means without sin, but it also means without even wanting to sin. Like you've never even wanted to sin before. Throw the first stone. He's almost challenging them. Like, listen, I've already done all this. I've shown everybody kind of your deal and your, 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 your dirty laundry. So any of you without, the, without sin that I've already written about down here, go ahead and throw the first stone. And the Bible says this. Again, he stooped down. And each one of them began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until Jesus was the only one left with the woman still standing there. Now, let's be honest for a second, okay? <clears throat> I know that all of us can easily see the flaw in somebody else. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you can look at somebody else and name everything that they're doing wrong and never and always ignore kind of what's going on with you. If you have multiple kids in your home, you know this is true. When I, when I say something to one of my kids like, hey, pick that up. You threw that on the ground. Well, well Ellie threw this on the ground earlier. It's like, she can't understand that like, okay, I get that, but I'm, I'm telling you to pick up, you know, they, they always can see the wrong and other stuff. I'll put it to you this way. If I'm stressed out and I get in the car to drive, everyone on the highway or on the roads is an imperfect driver but me. You know what I'm saying? If I'm in a hurry and I need to get somewhere, I'm driving like a bat out of hell, you know, but I'm, I'm running stop signs. I'm not, I don't have my seatbelt on. I might be texting somebody. I am going fast. I'm changing lanes without using my eye. I'm like, I'm driving all the wrong, but I'm looking at someone and go, get over. What are you, this is the left lane. You, you're going slow in the left. I can't believe this. And all of a sudden I can see the wrong and everyone else is driving. Is anyone else with me? Come on. Y'all do that. Don't lie. And here's the deal. Speaking of cars, we have Oasis Church decals back here. If you, do we have them with us? Are they here? We'll have them here next time we meet, okay? So the 14th, uh, we'll have them here. And so here's the deal. We're gonna take a sidetrack for a second. If you put this on your car, you cannot drive like a bat out of hell, okay? You can't give people the finger when they do something they can't, you know? So I, sometimes when I'm really bad, I'll, I'll, I will yell something at somebody outside of the window. This happens too much, I would say. Would you agree? I yell at people a lot and where they can hear me sometimes. I'm just confessing. I'm just using this time to just let you guys know how your pastor is. Uh, and Stephanie will, Stephanie never calls me a pastor until I'm doing something like this. So I'll be, I'll be screaming at somebody in the road. She'll go, pastor, you know, our church logo's on the back of your car. I'm like, I, I, I know, don't stop, stop. You know, so I'm really bad. I can see the wrong in other people. This happens on Facebook all the time. You see it, right? You see people fighting about the dumbest stuff and it's because we're blinded, right? We don't see the wrong in ourselves. We can see the wrong in other people. That's what these Pharisees were doing. These religious people, they could point out and see the wrong. Oh, this, she was caught in adultery. Jesus, what are you going to do about her? And Jesus flips the script and goes, hey, watch out, big boy. I know what you've done. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, hey, for those of you that think you're all big and bad, that you've never done anything wrong, the, the perfect one, why don't you throw the stone first? And all of a sudden, you, it's like a movie. You can imagine one by one, starting with the, the oldest, they leave, and all that's left there is Jesus and this woman who's been ashamed in front of everybody. Can you imagine how she felt? 
She probably felt this big. Have you ever felt like that before? Like, I cannot believe I did that. I cannot believe everyone knows my, my dirty secret. And here's what Jesus says to her in that moment. He says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. And notice he did not say this. He did not say, so now go and do whatever makes you happy. He didn't say that. He didn't say, go and just follow your heart, right? Do whatever you want to do. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say, ah, it doesn't matter what you do. You do you, boo-boo. You know what I'm saying? He didn't say that. He said, no, go now and leave your life of sin. He was calling her to a higher standard. He was saying with her, with urgency, to her with urgency, like, listen, you can be free. You don't have to find yourself in this position anymore. You can be free from anything. Now go and live life that way. Because where did happiness get her? Where did happiness get her? Standing in front of everybody ashamed, feeling an inch tall. So why, let me ask you this, why do we give in to temptation? Why do we sin? Think about it, why do you sin? Because it's fun, right? Don't lie, y'all sitting in church, don't lie, sinning is fun. If it's not fun, then you're not doing it right, okay? Sin is fun. It's fun to be a little rebellious. It's fun to like, to do things you know you shouldn't do and you get away, it's fun. But man, that's a lie we buy into all the time. It's fun, that is true. But here, let me tell you the truth about sin. Sin promises satisfaction. Man, it'll give you a guarantee, hey, you do this, it's gonna be awesome, right? But let me tell you what it costs you. Sin promises satisfaction at the cost of disobedience to God and eventual pain to you. So Jesus, or not Jesus doesn't promise this, sin promises satisfaction, but it's at the cost of disobeying God and eventual pain to you. Sin will take you further than you want to go and it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. I've heard that and it'll cost you more than you want to pay. That's all I've heard it said in my whole life, but it's so true. And guess what? It doesn't happen like that. It happens step by step. You know, I bet this woman in this story didn't wake up that morning and go, I'm gonna ruin a marriage today. I can't wait. I'm gonna ruin a family today. This is gonna be, in fact, I'm gonna get caught doing it and almost die. Like, she did not wake up doing that. Now, I don't know. I don't know this woman. I've never met her before. I would imagine she's in heaven, hopefully. Uh, if she did what Jesus said after this. But I, I, I would be willing to bet that she fell into this situation like you and I do. I'd be willing to bet that she probably had a husband and that husband didn't spend a lot of time with her, was really unattentive, sat at home at night on his phone, didn't really pay much attention to her. Maybe he was verbally abusive, maybe he was physically abusive, but he didn't really care about her. Work was more important than her. You know, his hobbies were more important than her. Money was more important than her. His bro time was more important than she was. And she probably felt a little isolated at home, a little lonely. You know, the, the romance was gone. He wasn't trying to date her. She hadn't been brought flowers in who knows how long. And all of a sudden, she goes into the office. She sees a dude. And that dude's, oh, 
wow, you look really nice today. Did you get a haircut? And she's like, oh, what? he noticed me. Yes, I did get a haircut, right? And all of a sudden, they start sparking a little relationship. It's innocent at first. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, he's noticing her. It's all innocent. It's funny. You know, it's all these things. And all of a sudden, he starts to follow her on Instagram. Come on. And, he, and then all of a sudden, she follows him back. Like, ooh, okay, he followed me on Instagram. All of a sudden, he starts liking stuff that she's posting on Instagram. He starts commenting on things. Ooh, that's awesome. That looks beautiful. Beautiful as you are. He's saying all these things, right? Like he's posting, commenting. Well, all of a sudden at work, they get put on a project together or something, and they're starting to spend, they exchange phone numbers. All of a sudden, they start texting each other about work. Well, that quickly turns into texting about personal things. Now they might be texting at night. They start texting flirty little things, nothing too crazy. And all of a sudden, she feels a spark there. Man, he really notices me. I really appreciate him. He doesn't verbally abuse me. He thinks I'm pretty. He, he pays attention to me. He's filling this void in my life that I, I feel like I, that needs to be filled. I deserve this, right? And all of a sudden, she's going to her friends, and her friends are like, hey, just follow your heart, baby. If that's, hey, he seems amazing. Your man, he's a dump. Go dump him and go see, go see the other guy at work, right? Like, all of a sudden, she starts getting influence from other people. And all of a sudden, step by step by step by step, she's getting closer and closer to being the woman we see in this story. She's naked. She's been caught in the act of adultery. Sin, it looked fun. It looked like it was the right thing to do. It looked like that it was gonna give her everything that she ever wanted, everything she ever needed. And all of a sudden, she's left alone, this tall, in front of all these people, and everyone knows what she's gone through. Because sin... Man, it promises satisfaction, but it's at the cost of disobedience to God and eventual pain to you. It doesn't happen overnight. But when we give in to temptation time after time after time again, it drags us deeper and deeper and deeper until we can't get out anymore. And here's the deal. In our culture, life is all about you being happy, right? You watch movies, you watch shows, you watch reality TV, which my wife and I, we watch reality TV. We're a big Survivor fan. Any Survivor fans in here other than us? Okay, a few, not many. Okay, we gotta convert y'all when it comes back on. It's really good. But laced through all throughout our culture is, man, you just need to do what makes you happy. Right, like you deserve to be happy. Right, how many of y'all have ever heard that? Like, man, you deserve to be happy. You don't have, you know, like, this is hard, right? You deserve to be happy. And we forget that there's something out there called truth, right? We call it absolute truth in the church. But here's the problem. When we search for only happiness and we leave out the truth, man, our life is filled with this void that we try to fill with a lot of things and it never gets filled up. Because here's, here's what I know. Without a belief in absolute truth, truth is defined by whatever makes me happy. So if you don't know what God says, if you don't know what the Bible says, what you're gonna do is you're gonna walk throughout life and you're gonna try things that you think are gonna make you happy, but every time, it's never gonna fill that void in your life. It will and here's the deal. You know that I'm speaking the truth right now because you've tried it. You've tried time and time again. I'm gonna go here, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna go here, I'm gonna do that. And all of a sudden, you're way down the path that you don't wanna be on. 
And when the bottom line is my happiness, happiness becomes the standard by which I judge my actions. So man, if I don't have a standard for absolute truth in my life, all of a sudden I'm gonna chase happiness, but it's like running on a treadmill. You'll never get anywhere in your life and you're only gonna be left miserable. I'm telling you, that's how it works. You might be feeling that. Some of you raise your hand during worship, but that might be how you feel. That might be why you're feeling that way. But here's the problem. So many of you think that happiness and holiness is what Jesus really calls us to. That's what he called that woman to. That happiness and holiness are at odds. You're thinking, if I choose to be holy, I'm gonna be miserable, right? Because following God is not fun. I can't have fun when I follow God. I can't really do anything I really wanna do. It's, it's cramping my style, you know? Like, you feel like that. But let me tell you, that's not true. Some of you think if I choose holiness, I'm gonna end up wearing pleated pants and preaching to people on the street corner. And that's just not true. God is not in heaven saying, I love my people so much that I'm gonna send my son to come die for them so they can be holy and miserable. He's not saying that. God wants the best for you. He's a loving father. The Bible says this. If you then, you people, how many of y'all have kids in this place? Come on. If you then, who are evil, we're all evil, the Bible calls us evil, uh, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Man, you spoil your kids rotten. I do, all the time. If, my little, if, I, if I'm with my girls and they ask me for a donut, we're passing a donut place, guess what they're getting? A donut every time. I can't help it. If they come out of their room before they're supposed to in the morning and they're like, Daddy, I just want to cuddle. Like, they, come on. You know, yeah, you can come cuddle. You know, I want to I give them the best life I can give them. If you have kids, you know this is true. If you have grandkids, you really know this is true. Come on. I've heard having grandkids is way better than having real kids. And uh, I can't wait. <laughs> I'll just tell you right now. Um, but you know this. You love your kids. You would do anything for your kids. Even if it meant telling them no so that they can you know, have a better life, right? How much more does God, if we're like that, we're evil, how much more does God wanna give you good gifts? You can't even comprehend it. God wants to bless you. I, I believe that with my whole heart. You'll never convince me that he doesn't want to. God wants you to be holy because he knows that holiness leads to happiness. And here's the deal. If you find yourself in here tonight and you're like, I still just don't, I'm not really buying into this, all right? Like, I just don't feel like holiness and happiness are gonna go, go together. Let me tell you, you're looking for holy, or happiness in the wrong place. If that's you, you're looking for happiness in the wrong place. You need to lower your standards because uh, of earth, because heaven is what God really intended for you. God intends for you to, to interact with the things of the kingdom. And so if you find yourself and you're not happy and you keep searching for these things, let me tell you, you're looking in the wrong place. God designed us to look at the kingdom to truly find happiness. Now, I wanna ask you a question. This is not a trick question, okay? I want everyone to participate here. If I had a fish, or I'm sorry, if you were on the beach and you saw a fish on the beach, let me ask you a question. Is that fish happy? Come on, is the fish happy? Not a true question. No, why? He's, he's flopping around. He's suffocating. How, why are we assuming it's a guy fish? It could be a girl fish. <laughs> but, okay, he, he, the fish is not happy. Why? Because the fish is on land. Now, let me ask you this. What if 
We all took a love offering, okay? We passed the bucket in here, we dropped in a few dollars, and all of a sudden, we gave that fish $1,000, and we set it next to the fish on the beach. Is the fish happy? No, why? Because it's still on the beach, right? Okay, what if we got other fish? Man, we drugged them out of the ocean. We threw that fish a party, and we're making pina coladas. We got mojitos going. We're having. We got music bumping out there. It's. A, we got an umbrella, and he's. We got some suntan lotion to put on him, and we're having a big old party out there. Is the fish happy? Okay. What if we got the fish a phone, and we put Instagram on that phone? We're like, hey man, take all the selfies you want. You know, hashtag fish life or whatever. I don't know what it is. And, and all of a sudden he's getting likes. People are following his page. Is the fish happy? Uh, if it's a teenager, maybe. I doubt it. Uh, he's still suffocating. Okay. What if we gave the fish a playboy, uh, a play fish magazine? Okay. And we sit it next to him and he's looking through like, man, look at the tail on that goldfish. She's fine. Right. And all of a sudden he's getting, is the fish happy? No, the fish will never be happy not in the water. The only thing that will make the fish happy is if you put it in the environment it's intended to be in. But all of us, that's a funny little illustration, but all of us have been that fish. You were not created to live here on earth. God created you an eternal being. You are not made for here. You're made for heaven. And so when we chase after money, when we chase after people, when we chase after likes, when we chase after influence and all these things, we're never going to be satisfied because we're trying to satisfy in an area that we weren't meant to be in. You were not made for earth. You're made for heaven. So you chasing after these things is never going to work. You can get a new car, you can get a boat, you can get a boyfriend, you can go on vacation, you can get any amount of money, you can do anything to your body, you can get any new pairs of shoes, you can do anything you want, but here's the deal. It will never satisfy you the way that God wants to satisfy you. It will always leave you empty. And here's what I want you to know tonight. Holiness is not mutually exclusive of happiness, okay? Holiness and happiness are not mutually exclusive. Holiness is the pathway to true happiness. Holiness is the pathway to true happiness. The Bible says this in Psalm 16. You will, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Starting a new series when we come back on February 14th called Choose Joy. I cannot wait. You have to be here. It's going to be amazing. Um, and in your right hand, there are pleasures forever. And that is what Jesus is telling this woman in this story. That is what Jesus is telling you in this moment right now. He's saying, hey, go and stop doing the thing that got you to this point. There's a better way. The better way is holiness. The better way is God's way. And when we live God's way, that is where we find satisfaction. That is where you find purpose. That is where you find peace. That is where you can actually do something that matters with your life because you're aligned with the one who created you and the one that wants the best for you. I promise you, I, a lot of you think that God does not want the best for you because you've struggled. But I'm telling you, God wants the best for you. Uh, in fact, we all struggle with temptation and we're so tempted by these things, right? Here's what the Bible says about temptation. And God is faithful. Y'all say faithful. Come on, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. 
Did you hear that? He's faithful. He's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Here's what I want you to know. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. I'm going to say it again. Come on, y'all. That was good. Y'all didn't tell me that. Listen, every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. When you get to that point and you're like, man, I, I know this is easy. I know I, I, can, I can turn to this and it's going to make me happy. I'm tempted. It seems like it's drawing me in. Guess what? That is your invitation. That's a signal light on your dashboard saying, hey, depend on Christ. Depend on Christ. He's giving you a way out. You know what that way out could be for you? A group. When you find yourself struggling with that thing, that man, you know what I'm talking about, you're struggling with it all the time, you go to it when no one's around and you sneak it, all these, you know what? The group, a group is gonna help you with that because you can text your buddy in your group and go, hey, really struggling with this right now, would you pray for me? Hey, I need to meet up with you right now. Can you, can you meet me at, at a coffee shop? We can talk about this. Hey, I need to call you. Can I call you right now? Man, you, didn't, you weren't designed to do life alone. God, need, you need to do life with other people. God designed you that way. And listen, God has provided you a way out. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. But here's what I know. And Joe, you can come up and play. Here's what I know. Is the only way to truly be holy and to choose holiness instead of happiness is if you have a relationship with Jesus. It is impossible to make that choice without making the right choice on whether you're gonna follow Jesus or not. So if you've come in here, this is your third week, you've been three weeks in a row, and you're struggling, first of all, I feel you. I have struggles. I have temptations. I know how you feel. But I also have a hope. And if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, you don't have that. And I, that makes me so sad, but you need it. In order to choose holiness, you have to be holy. And the way we become holy is by accepting Jesus into our life. And when we accept Jesus into our life, he sets us apart. When Jesus looks at you, for, or when God looks at you from heaven, he doesn't see a sinner. He doesn't see a person that has messed up time and time again. He sees his son, Jesus. Because that's what Jesus, he came, he died on the cross to pay for that sin that you struggle with. That's what the gospel is. And if you don't accept that relationship with him, your life is never going to work out. You're gonna constantly struggle with this stuff. And here's, I don't even need to convince you this is true. You know this is true in your heart. I know it. You know something's not right. And I'm here, I'm telling you, the truth is you need Jesus to get right so you can choose holiness. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes in this moment. Now, if I'm talking right now and I'm speaking to you, if that spoke to you of, I need to make this decision, I need to uh, make the decision to follow Jesus and choose holiness in this moment, I wanna help you do that tonight. And on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you just to raise your hand. No one's looking around, I'm the only one looking around. And I just wanna, I want you to raise your hand to say, Clint, I'm ready to make that decision. I'm ready for my life to be different. If that's you, on the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three, come on, raise your hand. It's okay. Okay, if you, raise, if you uh, just raise your hand. I want you to pray this prayer after me. 
If you've been here the last few weeks, you know the drill. We've done this every time. We're going to do it every week, by the way. If that's you, nothing's magical about this prayer. Nothing's, you're not going to say a magical, if you mess up the prayer, it's okay. Because it's about your heart in this moment. And I believe that God wants to step into your life and all you have to do is invite him. So if you raise your hand, just repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear God, I need you. I need you to step into my life. God, I receive your forgiveness and I make you the Lord of my life. And in the best way I know how, I will follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, y'all give a hand to those people that made that decision. That is so awesome. If that was you, even if we've gotten a card from you before, I would love for you to fill out that card. And uh, on the bottom, it says, I want to know more about, just put, I, I want to follow Jesus. And we'd love to get in touch with you and let you know uh, what your next steps can be. One of those is baptism. And we are planning a baptism service uh, coming up. It'll be in March, okay? So uh, I want you guys to know that we're not sure on the exact day, but March. And here's the deal. That's the next step for you, for a lot of you. Really, the next step is just keep coming back. All right, keep coming back. Be in a, put yourself in an environment where you can flourish. Don't be a fish on the beach. Be a fish in the ocean. This is the ocean. Get here, all right, because you're going to grow. You're going to thrive when you plant yourself in the house of God. I really believe that. But really, a lot of your next step is baptism. And what that means is when you're water baptized, it's a picture. It's like putting on a team jersey, and you're associating yourself with team Jesus. And what happens, baptism's a picture. And the picture is, you get in water, I look, hey, did you make a decision to follow Jesus? Yes, I did. And then your old self gets buried under the water and it's symbolic and you come up and you are a new creation. It shows people the decision you've made. It shows people the change Jesus has made in your life. If you don't get baptized, will you still go to heaven? Yes, okay? There was a guy that got crucified next to Jesus that went to heaven and he didn't have time to get off the cross and, and go get baptized, all right? So you're good, okay? So don't freak out about it, you're all fine. But we wanna celebrate with you. We're gonna do an amazing time. You'll get a free t-shirt, it's gonna be a lot of fun. That'll be in March. But hey, we love you guys. Next week, we're not having service, but we are serving, all right? From two to four, right here, we would love to see you. You don't really have to sign up to come and help. So if you wanna show up next week at two, come help us out and we would love that. But hey, we love you so much. We cannot wait to see you again for service, February 14th, Valentine's Day. We're starting a new series called Choose Joy. We love you guys. Y'all have a great week, okay?